Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, back at it here on a beautiful Monday following a big sports weekend. Finally, finally in college football, we had, uh, I guess, uh, David Olson. I was about a week too soon in my upset Saturday prediction. I had it going last Saturday. It turned out to be this Saturday where a couple of our powerhouse teams got knocked out. We'll talk some NFL football, college football. We'll recap the sports weekend that was in just a, about 32 seconds. But first, the outstanding music of the lead-in. Of the talkzone.com. All right, yes, indeed. Thank you very much, David Olson. Hope everybody out there had an outstanding weekend, sports and or otherwise. We appreciate your take a little bit of time out with us here at a mid-morning break. We used to do a show called The Morning Break. That's kind of what the two guys at a mic show is. It's a morning break, little sports report, and more. Cup of coffee, take a uh, early lunch, a late breakfast, whatever your your uh, particular work schedule allows. But uh, however it is, if you're enjoying the show with us, we much, much appreciate it. Big Dog and a Coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. And I previewed all the football stuff and it just shows you how far baseball has dropped from our thoughts and how far the World Series has disappeared from most people's sports imaginations at this point. Where I didn't even preview the fact that, yeah, there was a World Series baseball over the weekend, too. All right, without further, Joseph Adu, let me welcome in my uh, fine partner, checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. First two things I do every day with my Monday morning papers. I check the crime report. And I checked the obituaries. And if Big Dog is not in there, I figured it's a solid weekend. How are you, Big Dog? Yeah, I'm doing really well, Coach. You know, I, I think you have to give me a little bit more credit. I've been much more on the straight and narrow, especially over the last, like, five weeks or so. Coach. That is true. That is true. And, uh, you know, it's it's a line I've used many a time. You're right. I might have to change that introduction. I, I, I honestly think that I, I could probably stay out of jail for the rest of my life. I'm pretty sure about that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm confident I, in you. I think I figured it out. I, you just have to carry enough money on you. That's, all. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good start. By the way, I did look through the obituaries today. If I could throw a quick shout, well, not a shout out, because unfortunately at this point she can't hear me. But probably my favorite high school teacher, social studies teacher, very, um, you know, I was going to school back in the 60s, so it was, uh, you know, very um, – What's the word? Activist time. And she was very uh, liberal, very activist. And I hold her responsible for at least part of my liberal vent that I have today. But uh, apparently she passed away. Dolores Dolly Scoble at the age of 84. Big deal. You would have loved her as a teacher. A moment of silence for Dolly. Thank you very much. Now, that, that's one heck of a name. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that woman was getting it done name-wise. She could have gone into Hollywood, Dolores Dolly Scoble. She yeah. definitely, though, had a face and a body for teaching social studies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, 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 I well, can understand. But no, that's 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 weird. Well, you do read the obituaries every day. Well, that's part of the reason. You know, the age I get, I, you know, more. Well, I won't say more often than not, but once or twice 
a week at least, I will look through and, and see a name that I recognize, either you know, past, present, or future. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully not any future ones. Please. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. It sounded yeah. good, but uh, I mean, uh, if you could tell me some future ones, this could be good. Yeah, yeah. That, would, that would that would be a very interesting obituary. That could be a new uh, thing for the newspapers. Future, future obituaries. obituaries. Yeah. How predict how someone's going to die. Or you know how people want to write their own obituary. People could write in and you know in, in case I pass away. Here's some of the you know list of things that you've done. Sometimes it can be, I've, I've heard teachers, philosophers, psychologists use that as a therapeutic exercise. Well, Write your own can. obituary, you start to realize, you know what, I lived a little bit better life than I thought. You know, that's you know that's not a bad thing. If uh, that's Maybe that's a great way for somebody to get them to quit, uh, to commit suicide, coach. Hey, you know what, oh, you want to commit suicide? Before you do it, hey, I'm all for mm-hmm. it. So that's the whole opposite strategy. Yes. Like, hey, Let's do it right, though. If you're going to commit suicide, let's do it right. Yeah. Let's write your obituary right now. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you write the obituary, and all of a sudden, the guy's like, hey, maybe my life ain't all that bad. Maybe I can turn it around. Complete reverse psychology. Complete. Re- it would be as if a, oh, just say some football team that we followed ran the football extremely successfully for half a football and did tremendous, and then just for the heck of it, tried to use reverse psychology and get away from what was successful in the first half and try going back to what has been unsuccessful in the past and almost lose a game. It's almost like that, just throwing something out the out of the clear blue sky. Uh, you know what? Are you talking about <laughs> something that could be happening overseas in the in the Bears game yesterday? Uh, possibly. 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 I was just trying to find a way to get out of obituary talk here because we do have a one-hour show. Yes. Well, but, that, was um, good, that was a good transition, Coach. Cause yeah. If you want obituary talk, go to Terry Cox's book on obituaries. <laughs> okay. We, and we don't have to write the Bears obituary yet because two weeks ago when I was panicking and thinking the Detroit Lions were going to go 14-2 and and the Packers were going to go 16-0, and and there was only one playoff spot left for the Chicago Bears, all of a sudden the Detroit Lions are in free fall, and the Bears are actually showing some life and some ability to – figure out how to move the ball offensively, at least for mm-hmm. half, like you're saying. Coach. Yeah, Bears win 24-18, as you uh, implied. That game was over at Wembley Stadium in London. Uh, didn't have any major, major upsets yesterday in the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings almost made my prediction come true, almost knocked off the Green Bay Packers. But uh, we'll do our NFL round them up wrap them up and go over all the NFL games in a spirited version coming up in a little bit. But sticking on the Bears theme, uh, Big Dog, clearly story number one and the key to success again yesterday. It's becoming almost a repeat, and a good repeat is uh, Matt Forte. And I think we all knew he was a decent back. I don't think very few people in Chicago thought he would become you know, one of the top three running backs in the NFL, and right now he is there. He was outstanding once again. You know, there is you can you can talk quarterback who's having a better season than him, but there is no running back, there's no offensive position player outside of a quarterback in the NFL having a better year so far than Matt Forte is for the Chicago Bears. Coach. Yeah, and it and if you want to say what rank is he is as a running back or overall player in the NFL, that gets so hard to actually to do that. But mm-hmm. without question. Statistically and result-wise, Matt Forte has been the best running back in the NFL this year. He has put a 4-3 team on his back. Let's face it, the defense has not played as well as they should have all season except for the Atlanta game in week one. And the offense has been putrid outside of Matt Forte. He's, he's the MVP of the league, if you think about it, Coach. Who is more important to their team right now outside of... I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers. He's the best player in the game, okay? Yeah. But if... If you really think 
valuable player. Matt Forte is right there in the discussion with Aaron Rodgers, but of course they're seven and zero, so you know he's the MVP of the league. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if they voted right now, Aaron Rodgers won, and it's hard to put a MVP in a four and three team. But I think most of the people in the know, the players and the coaches, if you had a vote right now, I do think Matt Forte would be the second most valuable player in the league right now. Right now, it's still early. After Aaron Rodgers. Now let me ask you, Big Doug, because you're a guy who defended for much of your illustrious Division III uh, college football career. You tried to tackle running backs. I'm trying to figure it out. I have a few of my own theories, but how? Break it down for me. How did Matt Forte go from a pretty good back to I hate to use this word, but that's the way he's looking now to a special, a really special and gifted running back? Exactly. What the heck is he doing differently? You know, no, you coach that. It's a great question to ask because typically, let's face it, like either you got it or you don't got it as a running back in the NFL. Would you would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. It's like one of the rare positions in sports where you don't really improve that much as it goes on because the, you take such a physical beating and there's so much abuse. You either can run with the ball at the NFL level or you can't. It's because it's you don't you can't really teach that type of stuff. So the fact that he's gotten better as he's been in the NFL is a rare thing to have happen in that position in the NFL because it's the only position where you don't improve. You get worse the longer you can, play it. Can you break it down? Give me give me some specificity. What exactly has turned him uh, from decent to special? Um, coach, I wish I could ask that, but answer that because it seems like he is running to the open area greater than he ever has and maybe – this particular team that we have right now, which can't pass block at all, is the best run-blocking team that the, the Bears have had since Matt Forte has been a running back. Mm-hmm. Look at the holes he had yesterday. I mean, those holes were huge. I could have, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to run for 100 yards. I could have ran for three or four yards to carry at some of the holes that they had yesterday. They were massive. Meet you halfway so, on that. I think uh, some of it was uh, Matt Forte ma- making... What, you know, would have been three, four yards turning it into nine, ten. I think Forte made some of it. On the other hand, I do agree with you. And we've talked about this for a couple of years. And let me throw the phone number out here real quick. Any Bear fans are checking in. We start off a little local talk here. Chicago Bears. We'll get into NFL football and some of the big upsets in college football as well. Dial it up. Talk to the coach and the dog here. 888-463-6748-888-463-6748. Four, eight. But Big Dog, we've talked about our offensive line, uh, you know, on running plays. And this has been for two, three, four, five years, not firing out. Not, you know, a simple concept. Push the other guy back. Yeah, well, yeah. for the first time yesterday, not for the first time, but I saw it more yesterday more than I've seen in the last four or five years. Our linemen pancaking guys, pushing them to the left, pushing them to the right, pushing them back. It was an absolute pleasure to yeah. see. Coach, uh, it was a nine-yard run. It was why you use the term nine-yard run. It was a nine-yard run by Forte in the first quarter. And our tight end, Kellen Davis, okay, blocking a defensive end, Andre Claiborne of Iowa, who I know they banged each other's heads when they were playing in the big time together, put him right on his back on a sweep. When a tight end is putting a defensive end on his, I mean, a flat out got his hands up underneath him, lifted him on the ground, and planted him, and a linebacker tripped over him both of them, as he was pancaking them. Right when I saw that, I was like, the Bears going to win this freaking game. And by the way, Garza's chopping people down at the time. Chris <laughs> Fester's playing around. Chris Williams is a good pulling lineman. He's, as long as he doesn't have to block Clay Matthews when he's pulling, mm-hmm. he's awesome. 
when they play the Packers, and that's way down the line, but he has to remember he has to be a half a step quicker, and the Bears could beat the Packers if they could if they could actually make that block. But you're right, Coach. They were firing out. They're just happy to see the Bears like punching people in the mouth. And next thing you know, when that happens, Color had so much more time than he's had the, the whole season. He he stayed clean pretty much the whole day, but some of the hits he took when he did get hit yesterday. Yeah, I would rate wow. run blocking. Uh... An A, not even an A. My yeah. run blocking an A, pass blocking, yeah. especially as the game went on, B minus C plus. Because uh, yeah. the second half, it was like days of old. I'm just going to say C, coach, just a C, because you, there was no reason the way the game was going that your quarterback should have been getting hit like that whatsoever. Yep. We we need to have a game where it's the middle of the fourth quarter. And we look up and say, you know what, Cutler hasn't been hit yet. That happens in the NFL. Believe it or not, you know, there's every once in a while quarterbacks go through games and they get hurried or whatever, but they, they don't even get knocked down. I would love to see the Jay Cutler have one of those games. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it'll be the first one after the bye. We get, we get no Bears this week, right? Right. Bye week. Well, that's, uh, I, I'm Actually, we got to wait more than two weeks because the Bears do not play two weeks from Sunday. It's a Monday nighter against, uh, Andrew Robert Reed and the Philadelphia Eagles. Is it in Philly or is it at home coach? Yes. <laughs> oh, I can tell you in a little bit, but I, I think but it's, it's at Philadelphia, I believe. Okay, oh, that's too I bad. believe. But so, it's, yeah, uh, the Eagles in Chicago and Vic on the turf—that's that's a just guaranteeing a Bears win, especially mm-hmm. in the, the month of November. Yeah, so. so we got a long wait for Bear football, but always better to wait coming off a victory, twenty-four to eighteen. Tampa Bay did make a comeback. The mad scientist Mike Marsh started to outthink himself a little bit. We alluded to that on the top of the show. Started. To, you know, throwing the ball a lot in the second half instead of using Matt Forte, your hot running back. I'll tell you this, dog. See if you agree with me. If what's that? What about Marion Barber? He's your hammer. Let's get that guy some some carries. Love Marion Barber, and he's starting to uh, you know get healthy and become exactly mm-hmm. the perfect change of pace back to go with Forte. Exactly what I was hoping at the beginning of the year. I, we need him healthy too because if Forte and Barber are at full speed. Yep. At the end of the season, they will get in the playoffs, and they can do some serious damage. I mean, they're like Terry Wood and Mark Fire, Coach. Don't mm-hmm. let them get in the playoffs. Forte, Forte and Barber, they can do some serious damage. Solid one-two punch. And Matt Forte, one of the good things about him has been his uh, durability. But I was going to say, dog, if Tampa Bay would have completed the comeback, if they would have scored a touchdown and beat the Chicago Bears, just can you futuristically look ahead a little bit? What if? How bad of a beating would Michael... Jay Martz be taking today. I think Bear fans would be calling for his head. Uh, you know, I still am. I still am. I just don't want to sit here and but keep you're on not, complaining you're... on and on about Mike Martz. Okay, honestly, Coach, I've bashed the guy enough. You know exactly where right. I stand with him. I want him fired today. I want him. I, he should have been fired beforehand, and you're exactly right. The game could have got out of hand. He could have given a football game away mm-hmm. yesterday. And the sim, I'm going to remind everybody, and I'm going to end my Mike Martz discussion. Yes, he should be fired, Coach. <laughs> there are. 31 teams in the NFL that have the ability to call an audible with their offense. Mm-hmm. And the one team that doesn't is the Chicago Bears. Enough said. When's the last time, and I hate to be sour grapes about it, when's the last time you and me, and we've been together, uh, and again, coming up in the not-too-distant, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary, I'm sure our producer, David Olson, is, uh, has something uh, surprise planned for. He's doing a tremendous job, by the way, David, of pretending that nothing's planned, Joel. If you talk to Dave and look at Dave, I mean, he's playing the part <laughs> unbelievably well. Either that or there nothing is planned, but, you know. Uh, 
But back to my original point, when's the last time the two of us have been happy with an O coordinator? Because I didn't like Ron Turner, nobody liked John Shoops, and we didn't like Terry O'Shea. So I'm trying to think. And Greg Landry was brutal as well. When have we had an O coordinator that met our expectations? The, the first time Ron Turner was here. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, seriously. Remember the first time with that? We yep. also had Eric Kramer throwing for 3,800 yep. yards, 2,000-yard receivers, 1,000-yard running back. But the problem was that thousand yard running back had a, a uh, had a, a joint in his left hand and was fumbling the ball in his right hand at the same time. So that was that was an issue with Rashad Salah. Very uh, very hard to hold on to the ball with that uh, restriction, by the way. And then when you remember, Eric Kramer hurt his shoulder in '96. All of a sudden, Ron Turner got yep. very old, very quick, and we didn't like him anymore. So I, I, I honestly. I, I remember I like one time mind. when Salam got mixed up. I think he tucked the cigarette, the marijuana, under his arm, and he tried to take a puff out of the football. That can happen. Yeah, it's just, I hate when that happens. That can happen. Uh, well, Coach, honestly, none of those guys are turning football on its ear, you know, revolutionize it. Right. I don't think those guys are as bad as – we forgot Gary Croton, too. We forgot him. Remember him? Oh, my God. Who I have to admit, coming from – where did he come from? Louisiana Tech, pass happy. I, w- I was thrilled when Gary Croton was hired, but that was a disaster as well. I almost forgot we, that. They were 2-0 and in 99, and they were supposed to be 0-16. So two weeks in, even I was like, why does Steve screen? What the heck? Why the heck not? <laughs> By week five, I was like, would they please? Now they tried to kill one of those four guys wearing number 80. That's not good. Oh, you know? I almost so, forgot that. All right. So well, the first Ron Turner, you're right. That was decent. How much, are we talking like 15 so, years? No, no, no. Well, that was, that was 1995. They had that great season. 15 okay? years. They went nine and seven, and legitimately, Rashawn Salam fumbling cost them like three or yeah. four games. That offense was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. They, it was the highest scoring Bears offense, well, in a long time. But honestly, the best offensive coordinator the Bears had was Daniel Bramowitz. Remember him? I thought he was special teams. Well, well, uh, he did the offensive coordinating also. Okay. So yeah, he and he basically he did that. He got that job after. Special teams, but he had mm-hmm. a guy yeah. by the name of Walter Payton that they used to toss the ball to the last. Suffice it to free. say, and I could say the same thing, quite frankly, about coaches: Dick Chiron, Neil Armstrong, Dave Wanstead. I mean, it's unbelievable. A a great franchise, and I, you've heard me say this before, Bindo. One of the great professional franchises in all of sports. I don't think people nationally would deny it. The Chicago Bears, with their great tradition, great fan following, the, the, the coaches. What's them? The founding team of the NFL. Yes. You know, so. Yeah, something special about the Chicago Bears transcends even football. When he, I said one of the great sports franchises in all of professional sport, and mm-hmm. our the the coaches that we have hired are significantly lower standard than what the the team should be at. I don't yeah. want to be sour grape, but that's the bottom line. No, no, you're 100 percent right. 100 percent right. It's it's we we have gone to cut rate coaches. Uh uh. uh Unexciting. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uncreative. Not well, state-of-the-art coaches. I mean, Dick Jerron, Dave Wanstead, Neil yeah, Armstrong. No, the, the totally traditional and all that stuff. I, I get that. You know, it's funny. The Bears were always renowned for coming up with cutting-edge offenses. Yeah. And Buddy, doing... Buddy Ryan, cutting-edge defense. Mm-hmm. And then, like, George, like, the Bears came up with the forward pass. The Bears came up with a T formation and, and players going in all different directions and fakes and play-action passes and throwing it down the field. Uh, the Bears used to average, like Sid Luckman had averaged like 10 yards of pass for his career, Coach, mm-hmm. which is like the all-time. It's the all, Sid Luckman still holds the all-time record. And now the Bears are a stick in the mud. Hey, let's 
Let's not do anything cutting edge. Let's do the same thing over and over again. That, and then they hire a guy like Mike Marks, and they think that's cutting edge. When that guy just all he wants to do is prove he, that he can have more passing yards. He, he was can. cutting edge. He had to. Just want to make a slight correction. Uh-oh. I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys are saying, but when they hired Dave Wanstutt, he was like the, the hot coach. It's true. He was the that is hot true. coach. So. I guess so. I guess that is when yeah. they fired Ditka. Mm-hmm. At, at the yeah. time of the hire, you're right. We yeah, yeah. You know, know, it, it, it was after good. the first or second Cowboys. Yeah, but he uh, turned he turned into be a classic example. He really is. He's very good. As an assistant coach, absolutely brutal as a head coach. Yeah, yeah, and and that seems to be the pattern. You know, uh, the Bears have been hiring great coordinators as head coaches. They're great coordinators, but they're terrible head coaches. One said was that 93 was his first year. Because 92, the the Mm -hmm. Bears went like 6 and 10, and they actually, back then, the Bears used to draft unbelievable in the 80s and 90s. I swear to you, the Bears were one of the best drafting teams yeah. in all of not, professional football. Not For always in the they, first round. They would find those fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round guys. For years. And even in the first round drafts, they they'd always, they didn't miss. They, everybody they drafted besides Dan Thomas out of Texas was awesome. I, they, it seems like they never missed. So they had the talent there. They always had mm-hmm. the talent. All right. Let's stop reminiscing, getting back yeah. to the uh, program that was. Now, I, you know, you were not able to come with specificity on the uh, the brilliance of Matt Forte. I've come up with uh, four things. The PFBB, big dog. That's what I'm calling it. Well, well, you said why he's improved. The reason why he's good is because his belly button is three to four inches higher than everybody else on the planet. Well, some people would say that's a disadvantage. It's an advantage for his style and his vision because he can cut in and out of stuff. He's like a frog coach when he's running. He reminds me of a frog the way he goes all over the field. Well, I don't get it. What are you when you say the belly button higher? You're you're saying that he's taller than most running backs? No, 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 no. Oh, he's, he's the same height that he has of any normal human being. He's like six foot one. He, if I was standing next to him, his belly button would ah. legitimately be at least three inches higher than mine. I'm telling you, the guy has a really compact upper body and a ridiculously long look at him next time. I mean, he's odd looking. I did not like notice that. I've, I've never it noticed was, the belly. Is he have an any or an Audi? Just out of curiosity. I have no idea where his belly button is at. All I'm telling you is, proportionately, he mm-hmm. has ridiculously long legs for his but, body. But, again, that could be turned into a disadvantage because I've always thought the toughest running backs to catch are those shorter, powerfully built, you know, catch me if you can run You can't wrap those legs. Long legs like that should be easy to grab. Well, uh, they they should be sure that coach, but that guy's got the quickest feet. And I mean, if he can stop and cut and start, he's explosive. Even though he has long legs, there. They, see now you've now you've hit on what I think the major improvement has been. He's always been you know had pretty good feet, but I again I call it my PFVB PFVB patience. His patience has really really improved. Underrated for a running back, his feet. That's the number one thing. You watch his feet as he approaches a, a defender. They go into that little stutter step. I don't know what drill he's been working on, but uh, people need to find out, high school coaches, college coaches, junior high players, whatever whatever drill he's been doing, his footwork significantly quick. And then his vision, he really sees the field better than he used to, although he was always pretty good at that, but now he's exceptional. And then the burst, the burst coming out of that little sidestep, almost buries sand to rest. But I think it's those four things. And if I could pick out one, it is the quick feet, big dog, which uh, – we saw it a little bit early in his career, but this year they're just sensational. Well, uh, I definitely agree 
with the fact that he is a little bit quicker to speed and all that. But the two things that you're talking about, the patience and the vision, yep. all that, that only matters. Patience only matters if people are getting blocked. Vision, be able to see if you have an open lane to run to and actually getting there only matters if people are getting blocked. So I, those things, I don't think you can teach those things or improve those things. Those are like okay. instincts that like George Hallis would talk about, like, Gale Stairs has stuff that you can't teach people. Yep. Uh, and I think the, the ability to see a football field and your body to me- immediately react and have it contort in a way that is most likely going to result in more yardage, I can't explain that, Coach. That hasn't improved for him. It's all of a sudden the Bears actually have bodies on people and people are going backwards for the first time in the four years that he's been a Chicago Bear. In other words, if you have great vision, but you uh, open those wonderful eyes and the only vision you see is three defenders from the other team, all the great vision in the world doesn't help that much. Huh? Yeah, basically you just realize that yep. that wasn't Dominic and Sue who just punched me in the face <laughs> as I got the handoff. So it doesn't really, that's not going to do much for you yeah. if you don't have a lane to run. Yeah. So. All right, well, 24-18, bottom line is they uh, win the ball game, beat Tampa Bay, very solid victory, Bears up to 4-3. and three. I guess uh, it, it's worth mentioning that Tampa Bay was out their top was without their top running back. They lost their number two running back, Ernest Graham, who at the time I think was averaging six, seven, eight yards per carry. But they lost him early, so they went to a third-string running back. Then, big dog, they lost their fullback, their starting center, a linebacker, and a safety. So, to be kind, it was a banged-up Tampa Bay team as the game wore on. Oh, yeah, that that's about as many injuries during a game as you'll see in an NFL game. Yep. That, that, that's they had to deal with a lot yesterday, but you know what? They all had Buccaneer uniforms on, so you better go in there and figure out a, a way to get it done. Nobody's going to feel sorry for the Bears when they have injuries, and, and there's been many times it was the other way around. So. Uh, one of our emailers wants to know if you have a Craig Lumpkin on your fantasy football team. <laughs> no, but I have a Lumpkin on a, on a part of my body that I'm not really happy about. Probably have that checked. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Lumpkins. Uh-huh. I will not be in attendance for Thursday's show. Mark that down, David Olson, as I will be having a few lumpkins checked out via my uh, once every three years colonoctomy, big zuck, or whatever you call it, colonostomy. I'm getting flushed yeah. out on Thursday. How come every six months you say, oh, I'm getting my once every three years colonoctomy? <laughs> Shh, don't give it away. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's just say I have a very understanding doctor. Hey, I, I need to. I need to get... <laughs> I need to get my oil checked and all that stuff coming up pretty soon, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, so. you're still a young man. You haven't had your 40th yet, have you? No, I haven't. You're I haven't. I, it's a long way away, honestly. There's a lot to do before I'm 40. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, make sure you let us know when when the first one. I, I can recommend a couple of good doctors for you. One of them's really good. I want somebody with a skinny finger. <laughs> I don't even- Okay. We got NFL round them up wrap them up coming up in a little bit. We also got to talk the World Series. Big dog and a coach and the two guys at a mic show, 888-463-6748. The phone number. Big dog, uh, according to my recollections, another dismal weekend for you on the Beat the Schmoes football predictions. I got you what? I have no idea what. I don't even remember what I picked. Did did Washington cover against Stanford? You had Washington. I don't think they did. I don't did. think they did. I don't think they did. You I had tried. NU over Penn State, Penn State, so you're 0-2, but you did pick USC. Okay. So you went 1-2 and two once again, and Big Dog, I don't mind telling you, there are emailers and some of the people depending on you for maybe not their full-time salary, but for some of their part-time existence. Some of the people are getting quite angry with you. 
I, I haven't been able to watch football, people. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm disappointed in myself. But coming up <laughs> after next week, I gotta start watching football again, and I'll be back in the game, coach. All right, beat the schmoes. Uh, now here's the sad news: you sitting down? No, I, I cannot sit down as I do the show. You can't. That's my back. I have to walk the whole okay. entire time. Well, well, be careful. Make sure you're not near any sharp objects or near any ledges. The streak is over, my friend. The streak is over. Producer David Olson finally. Finally goes down to defeat one and two last week, or this That's, past weekend. Well, that was so his first losing week, and it was week eight. Yep, it's amazing. That seriously, that 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 that's, that's some good stuff. Yep. No, no, week seven. It was week seven. So no, 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 no. We started early. We we did the college weekend. Week eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, week eight. So Dave, was David fourteen and four though wasn't he going into this week? What's that? Wasn't David fourteen and four going in this week? So that would be eighteen. Let's see. I got a two and one, two and one, three. I'm marking down each week. We're keeping good records this year. Yeah. Two one, two one, three and zero. Oh, two and one, two and one, three and zero. Oh, two and one, and then one and two. So five, seven, nine, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, and five. Yeah. So that's that's wow. seven weeks. Yep. And he didn't even go zero oh, and three. You know, I, if I could criticize Dave when the streak ends, if you are going to lose, you might as well lose with some gusto. One and two is kind of a soft way to go out. <laughs> uh, by the way, dog, just as a sidelight, after firing my administrative staff, I am in major bounce-back mode. It continued. I went 2-1 and one once again. I had the Vikings at the big upset. didn't quite happen, but they covered. I had Carolina, and uh, unfortunately, I decided to go to the college ranks. Made a big mistake, batted with my heart, not with my head, and I picked Northwestern to beat Penn State. They did not yeah, cover, no, did they? Like when you told, I should have taken that one. Yep. I, yeah, I should have taken. Yep. So, so I went, uh, but four out of the last five weeks, I've gone two and one. So I'm in uh, at least semi-skill bounce back mode. Thank you very much. Now, did any of our listeners uh, hit the, the perfect and go no. and actually get into the, the winner's bracket? Dismal. Dismal week from our predictors, too. I think uh, caller John from Wisconsin, 0 and 3. Pigskin Boy, 1 and 2. Kevin from Chicago, I think a dismal one and two. I, it was overall not a very good weekend for the Beat the Schmoes. Uh, not good. Not no. Good. No. All right. 888-463-674. Real quick before NFL Roundem Up, wrap my big dog. Before we forget, there was an event over the weekend. I believe it's known as the World Series. Cardinals win big uh, Saturday. Texas comes back with a win for nothing. Derek Holland pitched really well. It's two to two. Does interest start to rise now? I almost get the feeling where it should. It still doesn't. You know, it, uh, Albert Pujols definitely brought some interest back to the World Series with his performance Ooh. on Saturday night, which is the greatest offensive individual performance in the history of the World Series. I keep hearing everybody, it's the greatest game anybody's ever had in the World Series. No, it wasn't. Don Larson threw a perfect game. Shut up. Enough said. How many? Uh, he had three homers. How many RBIs? Uh, what was it, like six or seven, Coach? He had five hits. <laughs> five hits. And and he like mounted the comeback. So I mean that was it's a historic game, coach. Without questions, the the greatest offensive game in the history of the World Series. That's, so that's saying a lot. It was so it was so important. Cloudy, who basically has told me football season has started, baseball is over. He hasn't watched any of the World Series. He's calling me at eleven o'clock at night after I'm done with my tour, saying you might want to watch the World Series, Joel. So like he knew how important it would have been to me. Next, I know I'm watching Albert Pujols crank out another home run. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty pretty amazing. Now, obviously, yesterday I got lucky enough. I get home after work, put on the television, and it just happened to be on Fox because of uh, God Save the Queen Day over there with the Bears beating the Bucks. Yep. 
and I sort of forgot the World Series, and I got to watch the last like four innings of Derek Holland. The pitching phenomenal last night for the Texas Rangers, which yeah. was pretty good. When they needed it most, I mean, under you know clutch pressure because they were at home down two to one. You lose, you can just about not for sure, but just about throw in the towel. So that was uh, that is what they call Big Dog a clutch pitching performance. Eight and a third yeah. from D Holland. Yeah, well, so it's uh, best out of you know two out of three now. Yep. So in, you got the Carpenter versus DJ Wilson tonight, mm-hmm. and you know this is everyone's like normally oh this got to be a must win with uh, uh, with Texas with their last home game, and, you know, and I totally understand that. What you know? What about the pitching matchup? It's a must win pitching matchup for the Cardinals. Period. Carpenter has to beat Wilson, or the Cardinals can't win this series. It's a must win for the Cardinals. Totally more huge for the Cardinals and the Rangers, and you never would say that in a Game 5 for the road team. It would always You would say that for the home team, not for the road team. It's a must mm-hmm. win on the Cardinals. There's more pressure on them to win than the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Best two out of three for the World Series. We, we may look back on it when it's all said and done. The Derek Holland pitching performance yesterday's game might have been the key to the whole World Series because things were heading down the tube. For Texas, yeah. they were starting to feel the pressure. That pitching performance, dog, might be the turning point to bring the Rangers a championship. You know, it's cool. This Obviously, the world championship is up for grabs. The MVP of this series is completely up for grabs. Mike Napoli of the Rangers, their catcher, having had the best second half of any player offensively in the major leagues. And that, I, I said that, Coach. I'm not kidding. He has led the major leagues in RBIs and slugging percentage, and he was a catcher for the whole second half of the season. And in the postseason, he's turned it up a notch. And right now, he's he's really playing great for uh, the, the not, Texas Rangers. Not too shabby defensively either. He made a couple of uh, big clutch defensive plays in uh, each of their first two series to get to the World Series. And uh, he's throwing people out. He's been phenomenal uh, calling uh, calling games. So except when C.J. Wilson pitches because mm-hmm. he's been a, a hitting machine for the batter so far in the postseason. No question about it. All right, dog and the coach. Uh, and again, uh, you want to talk some World Series baseball? It'll start to heat up. We got a game tonight, break on Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, game six and game seven. So that uh, should be pretty interesting to watch. Let's do a quick NFL roundup up wrap up. I want to get that done and save a few minutes for discussion on college football because my upset weekend prediction of two weeks two weekends ago. Mm-hmm. I was just as I typically am. I was, you know, a, a forethinking individual. I looked too far into the future. It happened this and week. You went, you went way out on a limb. Okay, the yes. reason why David versus Goliath is such a huge story is because that doesn't happen very often. Okay, so last week you were way, way, way too much out of limb. This past week, I honestly, Texas Tech beating Oklahoma to me is a shocking loss. Everybody else is like, oh, I can see it happening. I know Tommy Tuberville, all that other stuff, but Texas Tech had the 120th ranked pass defense in the country. Landry Jones has actually been talked about maybe even going before Andrew Luck. That's how good of a quarterback he is. I'm, I'm, obviously, he's not. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma has the two, the best tandem of wide receiver, wide receiver tandem in the country in, in Stills and Ryan. And they lose to Texas Tech. It was 31 to 7, coach. That, that, to me, it was a shocking loss. Texas Tech beating Oklahoma. At Oklahoma, I was dumbfounded. Dumbfounded by it. I saw so. that scroll. I was watching, I think, the uh, the place I was at had the Blackhawks game on the screen. And I see the scroll come across, and it had, uh, you know, maybe 
two cocktails at that point. So I, you know, I had to do a double check. That couldn't have been what I just saw. Texas Tech 31, Oklahoma 7. I thought maybe I saw the end of one score and the start yeah. <laughs> of another, but, uh, I didn't watch the game really, but, but wow. 31 7. Of course, Oklahoma mounted a tremendous comeback. Almost pulled it off. Final score, though, was uh, Tech 41, Oklahoma 38. And yeah, it's, uh, the, the Oklahoma field goal kicker missed uh, a couple field goals, and they were within 30 yards, mm-hmm. and they missed by three points. It was a rough day for Oklahoma. They, uh, those people in Oklahoma, it is all Oklahoma all the time. They are just as rabid as Alabama fans, and I mean, I really feel bad for that kicker coach because supposedly it hasn't been a good uh, two days for him on the Oklahoma campus. So, I mean, these, like this kids will transfer because those kickers have been known to transfer in college football. I think he said he's going to go somewhere where there's less pressure. I believe he's thinking about joining the Chilean soccer team. That's oh well, <laughs> slightly less. <laughs> Uh, um, now, as all right, I want to do NFL round and wrap up first. We're in the college football mode. Let's finish it out. Upset number two, the team that both you and me thought should be playing for the national championship. Close, nobody's unbeatable, but they were close to unbeatable. They got beaten by Michigan State. Wisconsin makes the big comeback. They, too, like Oklahoma, were down big, came back, and then, of course, the 50-yard Hail Mary. I did watch that live, Big Doe. I have some thoughts on that, by the way, but... Uh, let me what get you your think? thoughts because I was shocked when I saw it, and I I'm really surprised that they reversed it. Well, I'm with you. I'm I'm really surprised that they reversed that call. It was that really conclusive that the fact that the ball crossed the the plane of the goal. I, I guess so. Mm-hmm. But that that was right there. That group of like eleven to twelve guys that were right there fighting for the ball and trying to keep him out of the end zone and trying to get into the end zone. That was about as much want and determination as you'll see athletes yep. laying out there yep. in order to try to win a ball game. That was a pretty incredible. You're thing. talking in particular about once the ball was caught, the two, uh, two Wisconsin defenders just giving everything they can to push the guy back, and Keith Nickel, the guy that caught it, just giving the unbelievable. You know, you sounds cliche to say, but everything you got sports moment, he just willed himself over the goal line. You talking about that effort in particular? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was you cool know, to watch. The nickel kid decided to play wide receiver at Michigan State because he couldn't play quarterback at Oklahoma because Landry Jones was too good, so he transferred. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little story. Interesting. Did not know that. But, uh, again, for those fans that didn't see it, down to the final play. Basically, you're going to overtime, and this is why you do. You know, for all those conservative coaches, take the knee and, you know, play it out. No, you, you throw the Hail Mary. Things can happen. And sure enough, the ball was batted down, hit off somebody's helmet, face mask, bounded to the hams. A Keith Nickel right about a yard, half yard from the goal line, battle and a struggle to get across. I agree with you, dog. Slightly different theory. Uh, you know, I think if my life depended on it, did it cross the goal line? I would say yes. But here's my theory. Here's my theory. Uh, if you're going to win the game, if you're going to give them the game, it's got to be definitive. You know, yeah. either either cross the goal line or don't. When it's that close, and I go the same way, like at a fourth and one, you know, when they, you know, jump over the pile. You know, did he cross the goal line? Let's go to the replay. Did the tip of the ball cross? The, oh, yes, an eighth of an inch of the ball crossed the goal line. Touchdown. To me, if you're officiating, I know it goes against the rule book and it goes against a lot of people's normal philosophies, but... You know, if you're going to score, it's got to be definitive. Get it across the line. When in doubt, doesn't count, especially when the game's on the line. I thought it was a cheap way for the game to end. 
Well, if he were to call it a touchdown on the field, you I, I, couldn't overturn it. I just, I, I, I would have felt the same way. I would not have overturned it. I would not have overturned it. And I get maybe Michigan State fans are getting all crazy out there about it. It's all right, Michigan State fans. You won the game. I didn't have any option in it. And I'm going I'm to throw something else out at you, Coach. Throw your curveball here. You said, oh, being, you know, uh, oh, you don't can't be conservative, kneel on the ball. Well, being aggressive, being overly aggressive costs. Wisconsin the football game because uh, Burt Bielema called a timeout and forced Michigan State to go for a first down, trying to force them to punt the ball back to them. So one team being ultra-aggressive, yeah. saying we're going to do whatever it takes to win, actually backfires in Wisconsin's face because Michigan State decides, okay, well, we have to throw the ball, in, and guess what? They convert the first down, and all of a sudden, the place erupts. They get another first down, and then they're throwing the ball in the end zone to win the game. That's a good point. So, I mean, I, I'm not ripping Wisconsin. Yeah. For, or for, please, I, I do not say that because I will tell you what, 100% of the time, Coach, I call that timeout and I try to force them to, to lose the game deep in their end zone. So Michigan State showed some way by converting that first down. It was like, how, what was it, like third and 15? I didn't see the play, Coach. What, yeah. what was the... And people aren't talking about that, but you're exactly right. Without that big third down pass by pickup, the Hail Mary doesn't have any chance of even – Taking place. Yeah, I saw the I saw the highlights really quick, and I know they converted a third down. I saw the play. I don't know, and I think it was a pretty long third down that they had to convert. So, Watched a lot of football over the weekend. Can't promise, but I'm thinking if I remember the play, right side split end, little uh-huh. post pattern. Was it over the middle pass? I think for like 17 yard. But you know what? I'm not sure about that. And I th- and I think it was like third and 15 because yeah. Wisconsin made a huge like sack on the play before. Mm-hmm. And instead of letting the clock run out, they called timeout. All of a sudden, Michigan State was like, uh-oh, we're going to have to punt the ball if we don't convert here. And and uh, I guess Wisconsin has been awesome this year at block and punt. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Mean, By the that's, way, the only person I saw faster than Matt Forte this weekend was after the official signaled that the uh, we are reversing the call. Uh-huh. He did cross the line, signaled touchdown with his hands raised. Did you see that 68-year-old referee sprint off the field? No, I did Woo! not. I, I, I did not see that. That's... Quick feet, Big Doug. Very fast feet. What if he would have said he wasn't reversing it? <laughs> he would have called it from the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have been in the tunnel. I'm really sorry, Spartan fans, but we're not reversing the call. Have a nice night. Yeah, I, I, I was curious why he had to run that fast because it was at home and the ruling was for Michigan State, but I don't think he wanted to uh, get in any conversation with Mr. Brent Belim or any of the Wisconsin people. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I still no, think that's... I still think it's a unfulfilling way to win the game. I got no problem with the hail mary. Hey, if you want to get lucky and it works, or you you know you plan on it, but if it's clearly caught in the end zone that close, to me, if you're going to win the game. Win the game. I don't call that winning it. So I found they're, they're a little bit and, of and cheap. You know what would have been really cool? They would have went to overtime anyway. Right. Yeah. So that they yeah. went to overtime. It would have been okay. They we could have yeah. had a definitive winner. Now, uh, I love Kirk Cousins after the game. I did see all the post game stuff, Coach, and Kirk Cousins basically said the quote, "Well, hopefully we'll be able to play them again in the in the Big Ten championship game." And it was so obvious that he was like, "We got lucky today." I'm not kidding. They, mm-hmm. they blocked a part of Wisconsin. They blocked a field goal. <clears throat> Seriously, you blocked two kicks of a team, and you went on a Hail Mary at home. I will. Wisconsin will be a a 10-point favorite on a neutral side if they're playing Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game. And they'll, and they'll cover. They'll crush Michigan State. 
like that. That's one thing I, to be I forgot to. about that fact. Those two teams could meet again. Yeah. When the best of the I thought I'd throw that in there, Coach. This is the new Big Ten. It's the new era. It's one of the great traditions in all of football when the best of the leaders division meets the best of the legends. Yeah, it's just I've been loving this ever since, like, <laughs> September. <laughs> oh, real quick before we leave college football, hate to do it to you, dog. Got to throw it out to your favorite team, the Illinois Fighting Illini. They are who we thought they were, quite frankly, as they lose to Purdue 21-14. to 14. Dismal defeat, and my Purdue Boilermaker came through. It was. Coach, that was bad. Like, hopefully, you know, normally I want to, I'm glad Illinois is on TV, but hopefully recruits have not, like, the cable has gone out in every five-star recruit in the country the last <laughs> two weeks because the Ohio State loss was embarrassing. And the way Illinois played, now, unfortunately, I got to watch the first two hours of the Illinois game on Saturday. I'm all hyped up. I'm going to go to work that day, and at least I, I catch two-thirds of the game. I'm all fired up. I wanted to puke. The way they played, Coach, putting the ball on the ground, stupid penalties. You know you can't hit quarterbacks. You know, like, Clay Matthews hit Christian Ponder in the NFL game this week, got called a, a, a penalty on it, which was ridiculous. But other than that, there's so many tic-tac calls. You can't do anything blatant to a quarterback. Illinois was basically gave away 14 points yesterday, on, excuse me, on Saturday, on drives early in the game when they committed personal foul penalties on quarterbacks that allowed – I should say 14, they gave away 10 points. Because it was one drive they were going to punt, ended up in a touchdown, and the other one they were about to kick a field goal, and they uh, ended up with a touchdown mm-hmm. because of personal foul penalties on quarterbacks. So how dumb could that be yep. in today's football? Yep. It was similar to Tampa Bay. The one I played good in the fourth quarter, first three quarters, did not play well at all. And, you know, you hate to jump on Ron Zook, and I don't mean to completely berate him. You know how I feel about him. I think he's overmatched as a coach. But just to show you – Another example, you know how they basically took the coaching duties away from Ronzo. Offensive guys coaching the offense, defensive guys coaching the defense. Ron, you stay away from them because they've had some lack of success in the past. Well, do you know which area of the team that Ronzo took over this year? Which, which, which one, Coach? Special teams. And do you know oh. which area of the team has been a complete disaster for most of the year? Well, I, they, they haven't been good. And yesterday against or Saturday against Purdue was a complete disaster. It's the Ron Zook coach special teams. I've been complaining about their special teams all season long. They have the worst kick and punt return in all uh, of the Big Ten, and yeah. and their coverage is horrible. Well, that's, that's that's the Zookers. That's what his uh, responsibility is right now. Their, their, their kick coverage is horrible. Their punt yep. coverage is okay, but their kick coverage is horrible, and their punt and kick returns are horrible. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Jim Key makes every field goal he attempts. Actually, mm-hmm. he isn't the problem in terms of kicking, but the coach doesn't deal with that. That's right. Coach, when he, they played Ohio State two weeks ago, and they're down two scores, somehow are only down two scores and with two and a half minutes to go in the game on fourth down, do not kick a 28-yard field goal yeah. and attempt to go for it. Yeah. Right there, that is a fireable offense that's, for a guy on the fence. That's called, you know how running backs you described earlier, some of it you can't teach. they got great instincts, great vision. That's called coaching instincts. A lot of it just is feel for the game. Some of the fans, you know, have, have a good feel for the game. Ron Zook does not have a good feel for coaching situations, those yeah, type know, of things. Coach, I honestly believe that most, if you go by the book, well, most of those pages in that book should be torn out. Football is always evolving, okay? Yep. But there is one page that should be in bold print. In less than five minutes of a game on fourth down, when you have a 28-yard field goal attempt and you're down two scores, you have to suck it up and kick the field goal. Even though you don't want to, you want to go for it, but 
you're down two scores, you have to kick the field goal so you can actually make it a game. Because if you don't get the fourth down, you lose. That last two and a half minutes of that game, I mean, yep. I, I, yep. I, I, all right. Let's move along. Kyle, we'll, okay. we'll talk some more college football. Yeah, I had to bring it up. Yeah, your Illinois team was one of the upsets over the weekend. All right, NFL round them up, wrap them up. It's a regular Monday segment we do here on the uh, Two Guys at a Mic show. we got to make this a somewhat quick but always spirited version. Some good games yesterday. It wasn't the best day ever of NFL football. But, as always, some uh, interesting happenings. Let's get it going. Let's start off with the New York Jets taking the San Diego Chargers to school, particularly in the second half. 27-21, big dog. Three touchdowns and the combination of Matt Sanchez to Plaxico Burris. You know, uh, Plaxico Burris had three catches. They were all for touchdowns. Why didn't they throw him the ball more? That's what Plaxico Burris has been saying. <laughs> Good game by Plaxico. LT, Ladanian uh, Tomlinson, not a huge game. Had a couple nice plays for him. Sean Green. Uh, considering they're playing the Chargers, that was kind of important for LT. Yep. But Sean Green of the Jets actually had a good game for the first time all season, 112 yards. It's a big win for the Jets, too. They go up to 4-3. and three. They lose that. Their season could go a different way. Another big game, the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings. I was on the air about 48 hours ago predicting the big upset didn't quite happen, but it almost did. Minnesota led for a good part of the game. Big dog bottom line, though, is the Pack win again, 13 consecutive overall, and I feel like a broken record. Aaron Rodgers? 335 yards, three touchdowns. You know what? I'm uh, not offensively with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is turning into one of the greatest quarterbacks. He has the all. He's got the highest quarterback rating of all time. I mean, I mean, that's been well publicized. But the way he plays has been magnificent. But I'm starting to feel like the Packers are not as invincible as people are letting people think. I'm starting to see. I know they're seven and zero, but there's a chink in the armor, coach. Okay, and that specifically that chink might be the defense? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Adrian uh, I mean, Peterson, I, I, what, 175 yards yesterday? Yes, yes. And I, how often was I begging the Bears to run the ball down the Packers? So I begged it all week, and then they go out there and they threw it every single freaking down against mm-hmm. the, the Packers that week. Mike Martz was listening the day you were begging and said, I'll show you. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what you're talking I'll about. Right well, uh, it, it, the Vikings are a bad football team, but they're at home. But if you can run the ball on somebody, you can keep it close. So when the Bears have another shot at the Packers, I I really want them to put cuts in the game and just go after them. By the way, we got an email. I don't know if this is the actual Mike Martz, but uh, M. Martz emailing something. i got to clean this up a little bit, but something to the effect of tell Big Dog to stick it where the you-know-what and tell him when he is ready for his first colonostomy, I'll be happy to uh, perform for him. uh, That's from M. Martz. I'm afraid Ed might might be short and stubby fingers, and that's, yeah. that's not going anywhere near me. Okay. Uh, you know the playbook, how he does like to go long and deep. Yeah, he likes to. <laughs> Unfortunately, it never happens. All right, moving right along. NFL round them up, wrap them up. Before that comment, it used to be an award-winning segment here in the Two Guys at a Mic show. Denver Broncos 18, Miami 15, all kinds of uh, glorification with this game with the whole Tim Tebow Florida reunion. And Tebow was not very good for three quarters, but he does know how to win football games. Big dog. They come back with six minutes left. They're down 15 nothing. They win at 18-15. Tebow, two touchdown passes. He runs from two yards out. On the extra point, they needed two, and he got it with 17 seconds left. They win it in overtime. Tebow somehow finds a way to victory. Yeah, and all of a sudden, people are acting like he's the next coming because 
you know, they had the, the, the late comeback. That's against a winless team. And I've been a, a Tebow supporter. I can't stand when people just bash him and assume that he can't play because he's got a, an unorthodox arm. But I'm just so sick and tired of hearing about him constantly. I mean, really, is it, is it that big of a deal? Why don't we give him more praise to, to Cam Newton, Coach? Did you see the game he played yesterday against the Redskins? I mean, everybody's – the whole – did you watch – I watched SportsCenter. I watched the Hour SportsCenter, Coach, and – about eight minutes was dedicated to Tim Tebow, and they just breeze over the fact that Cam Newton went, what, 21 to 25 for 288 yards? Yep. And, yep. and was running for touchdowns, throwing balls, pin They were showing passes where he was hitting, like, the, the receiver in the well in the two deep, and then in a, in a one-on-one coverage, a guy breaks it off, and he throws the ball perfect back shoulder. The throws he was making are, are just remarkable, and we're talking about Tim Tebow this whole time. The guy was throwing passes that were ending up in the first row. Well, and you you know, you mean you know, you're almost answering your own question why he's there's so much notoriety on him because, you know, the college days, the whole charismatic, uh, you know, all American boy, the God fearing. Did you see after the game where the, his first reaction when they won? Hey, got that on the knee. Yeah, you know, I, and you know, doing the whole pray, you know, while everybody's celebrating. I. And everybody's got to, you know, deal with their religion their own way. I would prefer athletes. I got no problem with it. I would prefer athletes celebrate with their teammates, the ones that just help you win the game, shake hands with your compatriots on the other end, and then in the privacy of your own home or in your own locker room or on your own, do your little thoughts and, you know, thankfulness and whatever you have to do for your religion. Again, I'm not criticizing it. Again, I would prefer it not be the first thing you do right on the field in front of everybody else. And let's face it, that's why he's such a lightning rod and yep. a sensation. Yep. That's why, like, oh, he's doing it for Jesus. And I have I have no problem, whatever you want to do. Well, don't get me wrong, I like the guy. Yeah, I like that. People oh, yeah, are jealous of him because he seems too perfect. He's a total quality individual. So I, I, I don't mean to say I don't like the guy. I was just picking out that one specific way of uh, acknowledging your religion. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not ripping that kid either, but I, I'm just throwing out there. You have two people, two national championship Heisman Trophy winners, Trophy winning players in the NFL, first-round draft picks. Okay, one's minimal and overall. And the story is, can these guys who basically dominated with physical, uh, being a physical brute in college and being a great leader and that it could lead to a national championship, can these guys' games translate into the NFL considering they're runners and, and they pass by, like, creating space and movement and, well, Nobody has seemed to realize that Cam Newton has answered that question, and he might be the next great player. Coach, quite honestly, right now, if I was starting a team, Cam Newton would be the first person. If, like, if, if what happens to the NBA, where everything gets dissolved and the whole new league starts, mm-hmm. okay, like somebody like the guy from Virgin Records comes in and starts an NBA league or something like that, a new one. If that happened to the NFL, Cam Newton would be the first guy I took. Oof. I'd like to find a chink in your armor, and I'd love to argue with you, but you know what? After watching him against the Bears, watching him a little bit yesterday, I can't deny that. He's got the look, the feel. You can see he's just gaining confidence. He's got a little leadership to him. He's got the whole uh, – you can't find a weakness, quite frankly. Coach, Coach, he might end up being the best pocket passer in the game. And Oh, and by the way, he'll be the biggest and fastest dude on the field. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody everybody will forget that he once broke into a dorm room and stole the computer and a stereo. Mm-hmm. That can happen. Yeah, it, it can. That can actually happen. almost happened to me once, and then I realized I had rations. Well, you were sleepwalking, but that was a whole different thing. 
All right, very quickly, uh, we're running out of time here. Last game to mention real quick in our own NFC North division, Atlanta and Detroit. Pretty good ball game there, 23-16. The Atlanta Falcons hold on. Now, you use the term the Detroit Lions in free fall. I don't know if I'd go that far. They're 5-2. and two. I think the Lions will be okay, but uh, nevertheless, a big victory for the Dirty Bird over the Lions. I, I was I was just uh, trying to get Detroit Lions fans to panic because, you yep. know, they, they, they want to do that. Yes, they they have a flinch for a good reason based on the last yeah. ten years. And any time Detroit loses two games in a row, I just Detroit and freefall just seems to roll off the tongue. <laughs> oh, and just to add the make that twitch and nervousness a little bit more, Matt Stafford did limp off the field late, big dog. Yeah. That is exactly what I was referring to in, in a sense, is because yes. now Detroit fans are worried. Now they they still got Megatron who is uh the best offensive weapon outside in the game right now and they still have Indomitian Sue who is now getting Accused of supposedly talking smack to yes. Matt Ryan as his ankle was stepped on Boy, yesterday. If that's true, that's pretty bad. Yeah, he shouldn't be talking. Doing. You know, swearing at the guy. The guy's down injured. Hey, bring out the stretcher! Come on, man, bring out the stretcher! Like, I hope that's not true. If it is, then Domicon should be sued. Is there is there an NFL player that's ever played more than a season that didn't lay down on the field with an injury at one point in their career? Mm-hmm. Ever. Even Walter Payton had to get looked at once in a while. Yep. Okay, so yep. and that we can see you better be careful uh, what you're making fun of. Yeah. All right, doll, we got to wrap it up. We'll do it again uh, tomorrow. We'll uh, with a little residue Tuesday. We'll cover up some more of the football games and and talk about World Series Game Five. Make sure you watch tonight. Sounds good, buddy. All right, big dog. Bye, and the coach back at you tomorrow at ten. Producer extraordinaire David Olson. Thank you so much. Oh, tomorrow we got to talk about assistant producer. Randy Myers on his first ever overnight Cub Scout trip with the little kids. One of the rites of passage for every young father. That's got to be on our discussion topics. All right, have a great day, everybody. Tomorrow at 10, we'll do it all over again. Don't be late. Thank you so much for listening.